Welcome to March 5 Music. My next guest, the multi-talented songwriter, producer, arranger, known for his deep pocket bass on tracks by Erica Badu, Will Downings, and D-Train, just to name a few. His new single, Radio, Give It Up, for my brother, Hubert Eves IV. My brother, Hubert Eves. What's going on, man? Hey, we're just trying to, to keep everything moving, man, and, and stay musical. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. I got a question, man. You know, um, when were you introduced to music? Because a lot of folks don't know your your background in music. Well, I was introduced to music very early on as, I mean, a small child, like three, four, five years old, you know, because my dad uh, is a musician. So there was always music being played in the house and there was instruments in the house. I would be banging on the piano and there was a drum set in the house. Okay. So I was banging on the drums, you know. I always had a, a interest yeah, you know, for music. Now the drums was that your was that your first uh your first uh, instrument? Drums was yeah, it was my first instrument. I started playing drums. I had a little little drum set when I was about four years old. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, yes, that's when it. That's cool. You know, I showed, yeah, interest in it, and my dad got me a little set, and I started playing, and I, I would jam with him, and you know, right. of course, I wasn't playing nothing, but I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we all we all thought we was playing something back then, right? Yeah, man, I was serious. I was like, "Come on, pop, keep up." Yeah. Yeah, but see, you had that that you had that training like your dad. Well, most people, for those who don't know, I'm speaking with Hubert Eves the fourth, and Hubert's dad is Hubert Eves the third. So you could tell them about your dad, who your dad is. Yeah, well, my my dad, uh, my hero, you know, my biggest role model. Mm-hmm. You know, not just musically, but just as a man. Right. Uh, keyboardist. He actually uh, played drums first. Really? Well. I did not know that. Yeah, wow. he still, yeah, he can still sit on the set and, and rock a beat. Okay. But uh yeah, he's a keyboard player. Um you know, he's most known probably for the D train stuff, but right. before D train he was a, a jazz session player, musician. Okay. He played with Gary Bartz and Norman Connors and Wow. All kind of different people, man. Okay. Nice. So did he do it? Norman Connors, I think that song, what is it, Starship? Yeah, he played on uh, You Are My Starship. Okay. Nice. I think, yeah, I'm not sure if he played Rhodes or, or, or acoustic piano, but he's on there. Got it. Got it. That's cool. Yeah, well, your, dad is, your dad is a beast, man. Like, like you, you know, Apple don't fall too far from the trees. I try to be, but we we'll see what happens when it's all said and done. Come on, man! Come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You know the thing is, like, um, there's so many artists out there that um, that overcomplicate things. You know, they 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 just overcomplicate music and business. What advice do you give to people that are trying to make their way to the music business? I would say usually when, when people overcomplicate things, mm-hmm. it's usually because there's a lack of knowledge. Okay. So sometimes you're 
you might miss steps, so you got to play catch up. So mm-hmm. you overcomplicate, you know, so right. you're playing catch up, coming from behind. Sometimes your ego gets in the way and you don't know right. when to admit you're wrong and that you need help. Okay. Some people are afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you take things as far as you can take it and you need someone else with experience to come in and say, hey, let me show you a better way to do it. Right, right. You, know, you don't always have to be involved in every aspect. Right. Uh, whether it's the business or the writing of the song, the production, performance, sometimes you need help. Yeah. yeah absolutely, man. That's a- so my advice to, to any young musician would be take your ego, check it at the door, mm-hmm. and involve other people. Okay. You know, let people help you. Right. That's good advice. Work is is a little lighter. Yeah. You know, with technology, man, people tend to, they tend to overthink things and, you know, they try to play everything and do everything, but it's, it's, it's a little difficult to do that and be successful at the same time, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a place for it. I I know for Mm -hmm. myself, uh, I, even to this day, I mean, I, I've, I've sang on records and have done backgrounds, but I don't really consider myself a real singer. But okay. that came just from me trying to hire background singers and them not being reliable, some right. of them. Right. Not showing up. And then I said, you know what? Let me just see if I can lay this part down. <laughs> I started doing that kind of stuff. So right. you know, now I'm I'm cool with doing simple background parts, nothing complicated, nothing crazy. Okay. But, okay. Uh, Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta do as much as you can, you know. But right. But you have to know your limitations, and mm-hmm. you have to know when to say, "I, I took it as far as I could could go." Right. To get somebody else in there. Yeah, that's cool. That's really good advice, man. And I know, and I mean, we've known each other for a long, long time. But I just need to know, and I'm sure everybody else out there wants to know, how many instruments do you play? Uh, I play drums. I play bass. I play uh, keyboards well enough to write, you know, mm-hmm. by no means am I a keyboard player who I'm going to, you know, go on gigs and, and be the main keyboard player. I, I beg to differ, artist. man. I beg to differ, but, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you can beg all you want, but I know the truth. <laughs> no, that's you know, good. I mean, yeah. if, if someone called me to play bass parts on, you know, bass keyboard, I could do that. Okay. You know, but as, as the main keyboard player, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can fumble around with the guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can figure out I can pretty much figure out what I need to play mm-hmm. while I'm writing or or, or producing. Oh, okay. But I I can gig uh, confidently and comfortably on on bass and drums. Oh okay. Now as far as like gigs, when you talk about like amps and technology, what type of amps do you use with your your bass guitar? Uh, I use DNA. I use DNA. Uh, Okay. Amps and cabinets mm-hmm. and nothing else. Those okay. Suckers are like, you know, if I if I could have built an app, that's what it would have been. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's that deep, that powerful. That nice. Is yeah, that what you man, use? Now, do you use that on the road? Do you use that at home? I mean, how does that work? Do you separate the two? How, how does that work? Well, I have I have the rig at home, and then if, when I go on the road. Uh, I usually have it have it rented, or, okay. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, all depending on where the gig is at. Okay. What's available, but yeah, I use DNA, man. And what about your strings? Do you have a particular type of string that you use for your bass? Because some people are very particular about Yeah, I use GHS Boomers. Okay. Bass strings. I usually uh, play five strings. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, I always, I have a a crazy... Shout out to... Good. I got a shout out to GHS and and to DNA because, you know, I'm an endorsee of both of those companies. Nice. Nice. Congratulations on that one. They take care of me. Yes, yes. Nice, nice. I, well, I always want to ask you, what's the difference between, uh, some people may not know, the difference between a four-string bass and a five-string bass? Well, a four-string, the lowest note is an E. On a five-string, the lowest note is a B. Ah, gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I remember uh, when I uh, I was against five-string, and I was like, oh, I, what do I need that fifth string for? You know, right. I got hired to do Freddie Jackson gig. Mm-hmm. And I found out why. Because all of those ballads, you know, was, a lot of times it was keyboard sync and they were going lower than that low E. So gotcha. I had to get a five string. And I've been playing a five string ever since. I very rarely play a four string. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Now, speaking of bass, that brings us to um, Baduism, Erica Badu. And I always wanted to ask you this question. As much as we spoke about it, I never had a chance to ask you. Did you know that Erica Badu was going to explode on the scene the way she did? No, I, I didn't. I mean, matter of fact, I, I turned that gig down three times before I finally said, okay, let's, let's do it. Okay. And at the time, I, I was living in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really looking to go on the road. And Erica was a new artist. I had never heard of her. Right. I didn't know any of her music. And I was like, I'm not going on no tour right now. It's probably going to be a low-budget tour. I ain't going to be paying no money. <laughs> right. I don't want to deal with no crap. Right, right. And uh, the musical director, his name is Norman Hurt. We call him Keys, keyboard yep. player. Yep. He called me a second time. It's like, you're you, man. You sure? I mean, I think I think this might be a good gig. And I said, no. He called me again and was like, you, I'm telling you. Company is behind this. Mm-hmm. They're going to push her. I think you might want to check this out. So I did. Okay. Came up. We had like a little meet, listen to the music, and, and we scheduled some rehearsals. And mm-hmm. we started doing some, some gigs here and there in the city. Okay. And then I knew I could tell by the reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, people were just like mesmerized by her. Yeah, you know what? I might want to stick around for this. I'm so <laughs> glad that I did. Yeah, but what what do you think really? Um, what does she do to mesmerize people from the beginning? Because I remember when you first told me about Erica Badu before she was even out. I remember I remember us talking about that, and I always wondered what does she do to to captivate her audience? She just really just grabbed everybody, and she didn't even move, and people were mesmerized. I think Erica, you know, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but mm-hmm. it factor. Mm-hmm. She has it. And right. she always did from the time that I met her. Okay. You know, even in the rehearsals, and I didn't really know her, but just the way that she carried herself and the, the, her terms, the way she would speak. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times she she didn't give two dams about 
how things usually are. It's like, no, I'm going to do it this way. Okay. I'm going to do it that way. Right. And just extremely creative. Okay. Always pushing the bar mm-hmm. and always trying something different. You know, it's like right. if everyone else was going right, she's going to go left. Okay. And I think, you know, sometimes people, they, they want to look to someone that's doing something different, not just doing the same old thing. The timing for her was perfect. Mm-hmm. There was no one else, no one else out like her. Right. She, she saw her lane and she just stepped on the gas. Well, that was a good pedal she stepped on, I tell you that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she stepped the hell on that. <laughs> And she's still still running with it, which is really good, man. I mean, what was she like? Um, I mean, well, let me just ask you this. You know, of course, obviously, everybody knows Tyrone. And everybody knows about that bass. And everybody knows about that line, that bass line. And the groove just took it to a whole nother level. Like, it's just, it's, till this day, man. I mean, years later, it's still, the bass line is just crazy on that song. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, you've, you've, you know, that I, I can't begin to tell you, man. When I see it, I see you on the, you know, the video sometime and it'll pop up and I'm like, okay. You know, but it was just a, a incredible, <laughs> <laughs> it was just incredible just to watch you as, watch you grow because we've known each other so long, you know, and to, um, to see you grow into where you are, man, it, it's just incredible for me, you know. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. I yeah. appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that what was I, a, that was a fun time, man. Tyrone, that, that that whole song was almost like an accident. And okay. It, it ended up being a classic. Wow. You know? Incredible. Okay. Now, what was it like working on that when you guys were as an accidental version? How did you guys come up with with Tyrone? Um, we were in London, mm-hmm. and we were doing a sound check. Okay. And at the sound check, uh, I got to make sure I tell the story, right? Because it was so <laughs> long ago. Sometimes I kind of goof it up. So yeah, I, I might have spoke on it before and said something that was a little little different. But okay. for the most part, uh, we were at, the, at a sound check in London. And we were running through the show. Mm-hmm. And then Keys, uh, Norman Hurt, he started playing the keyboard part for Tyrone. Okay. The intro. Right. And you know, he wrote it. That was just something he was messing around with. Right. And my myself and the drummer, uh, Pooji Charles Bell. Yeah. We just came in. You know, Pooji started like playing the beat. I started playing the bass line. Right. And Erica was in the building. We didn't know she was in the building. Okay. The time. And she um she came on stage and started just this was all off the top of her head. Really? You know, you better call Tyrone. Yeah, and the version, that version wasn't recorded. Okay. That was the funniest shit I ever heard. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, she had us crying. Uh-huh. It was so funny. Right. And we just, we didn't think nothing of it. Mm-hmm. Later on, during the gig, right. uh, you know, after the sound check, we went catering, we ate, we did what we normally do when we're on the road. We ain't thinking about that, that groove. Right. During the show, she stops us and says, hey, play that groove that, that you guys was, was playing before. Okay. So he started playing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all came in. Mm-hmm. And that particular show was a, was a live recording. So they recorded it. 
Okay. And then they start playing it on the radio. But that version, it was was hilarious. It's still funny. Tyrone <laughs> is hilarious. It's a masterpiece. It is. But that yeah. one in the sound check mm-hmm. was even funnier. Wow. Wow. Just like that. Now, how long will you say it took to, uh, like to, to lay Tyrone down? Or just, you know, the, 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 from the beginning to the end, start to finish? Uh, however long the song is, that's, that's what it was. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Wow, incredible. Yeah, that's that's a magic like you said, it's a masterpiece all by itself. Now I gotta ask you, man, who yeah. is your um who's your bass influence? Like who did you look up to as a as a bass player? Uh my main influence on bass was uh William Booty Collins. Okay. You know, I was I was all about the funk and you know, Parliament, Funkadelic mm-hmm. and Booty and you know, but I, I also like uh, Larry Graham, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Prince, you know, I mean, he's known for piano and guitar, but that dude, he was a beast on bass. Yes, he, he was. was. a huge influence on me. Yes, he uh, was. Marcus Miller, Byron Miller. You okay. Know, solo on uh, George Duke's song, Reach For It. Right, right. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. That was Byron. That's before my time, but I remember. (laughs) Before your time, man, we just said the names, bro. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, but yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, he did. uh, Marcus Miller's a beast too, man. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, I think he's from Queens, right? Yeah, he's from Queens. Yeah, yeah, he's from Queens. Oh yeah, Jamaican. Oh okay, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and now I want to ask you, um, what's your take on the music business, like today's music business, as opposed to when we were coming up? Because back then we had to have the copyright, and you had to send the copyright in, and you had to do the, you know, working with the record labels. How do you see, like, the old music business as today's world that that we're dealing with right now? Um, I think back in the day... Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had, as artists, we had less involvement. Right. Most of us had less involvement in the business mm-hmm. and in the decision-making okay. and total control over what songs are going to be used on your album. You know, record companies, they, they were controlling everything. Right, right. Yeah. And you, you pretty much were uh, at the mercy of the record company. You know, they would even pick the picture that was going to be used for your album. A lot of the artists, they, they didn't know mm-hmm. what picture was going to be used. Which wow. Which was kind of whack. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. man. Now, what about like, the budget? Because from what I understand, like the budgets of um, a lot of folks would go on tour and then they'd stay in the hotels and the limos and they didn't realize that that money was coming out of their budget. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I... I I, I've been in the predicament. I, I won't name the artist mm-hmm. and I won't name the tour. But mm-hmm. I was there firsthand mm-hmm. where I saw the artist at the bar crying because wow. a record exec had taken us out to eat the night before and, and spent almost $3,000 on just drinks. Wow. And the artist was like, you know, UMFs don't realize I got to pay for that. They had no business taking you. And we were like, this guy, he's, he's this guy or girl was drunk, right, right, and uh, just spilling the beans. Wow! You know, yeah. Like the artists back then, they they had it rough. You know, they, mm-hmm. 
it would appear, some of them, it would appear like they had money and had it all together, but a lot of them were broke. The band, we were making more than the artists at times. Wow, you know, wow. Yeah, that you would never know it. Yeah, that illusion, you know, that illusion that um, the music business, it's the lights, the glitz, you know, the glam. It's its not really what they pump it up to be, you know? Mm-mm. And I think you make more money as an artist as far as writing or producing or... Because I think you you did jingles before, right? Yeah, I've done some jingles. Okay. Now, how's the jingle world versus the uh, the record world? Because the jingle world, I, I think you have to have a certain amount of songs placed per year. Uh, I, well, I think you're talking about like a publishing deal. Right. Uh, when you, you sign with a, a major publishing company, okay, usually there's a certain yeah amount of songs that they expect you to place per year, and they give you some kind of upfront advance. Okay, but with a jingle house, unfortunately for me, mm-hmm. with the jingles, I never had the account, so I was like a hired gun, hired writer, producer, musician. Okay, so I would get like an upfront fee and uh, you know royalties. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Okay. But the big money would go to the company. So, uh, but I mean, I, I did, I, I had a couple of major ones for Wendy's and uh, I did a Foot Locker one. Okay. Uh, and there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I did. A lot of times I don't even know right. because of the, uh, the company I was working with. You just submit, you know, 30 second. Uh, clips a minute sometimes mm-hmm. and they they place them and you don't know what's placed until you see your uh, your statement from your PRO your uh, BMI or ASCAP or whatever okay. I would see a lot of these cable shows shows that I don't even watch right and none of them made no real money you know wow so, it's a rough yeah, business but, man but you can make a lot of money with jingles man if, if you hold the accounts they they get paid a lot of money. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That that's just crazy. I mean, it's the business itself. That's why I, I think I told somebody not too long ago. That's why they call it the music business. It's like ninety five percent business and five percent music. Yes, sir. You know, it'd be a good. Yeah. I guess that's a good ratio to use. But I just, you know, it, it just blows my mind. And for for years, it's blown my mind how how the music business has evolved to what it is today. Now you can, you know, lay a song down, throw it up on iTunes and post it the next day. You know, as opposed to years ago, you had to go through the budget. You had to go through the manager. You had to go through the lawyers and, you know, everybody was involved, you know, so you have a lot more control, yeah. which is really good. Yeah. It's amazing now. I mean, it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you have so much control now and, right. You don't have anyone telling you, uh, nah, that's not you. You know, I think you need to do this. Right. Which, which is one of the biggest, you know, slaps in the face. When if you're an artist and, and you're doing what you love and what you feel, right. If you're a true, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to be judgmental, but in my right. opinion, mm-hmm. if you're true to your art and you love what you do, you're not so much concerned with how much it's going to sell. You right. hope it's going to sell. You hope it makes money and, and you know somewhere it, that's that's in the equation. Right. But you're doing what you love. You you're trying to to put out the best that you can do. Right. And and in a lot of cases, it ends up making money. 
Right. You know, if, if you put the time in and put the work in and, and, and do everything that you're supposed to do, then yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going to be successful. Okay. But that's not always the, the motivation, you know, the money. Right, right. But not the best product that you can put out. Okay. All right. Now, what one, what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I wish I had un, had a, a better understanding of the politics of it. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. like, like now when you see everything is about social media. Everything right. is a click away. Right. You know, these, these kids, they're doing all kinds of stuff all over the place. Cause you can be, you can be in a million places now, right. You know, from your house, right. Just, you know, just clicking on stuff, making stuff happen. Right. Right. So back in the day when I was really touring and, you know, I was exposed to a lot of different celebrities and a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the most, uh, you know, outgoing and, I wasn't politicking and I didn't, I didn't understand that you have to, you got to get out. You got to mingle. You got, I was more like a hermit. You know, I just wanted to do the gig and get back to the hotel, get back home, work on my own stuff. Right. I I wish that I would have been more, uh, you know, ahead of the game that way because that's what Mm -hmm. it takes aside from, you know, learning your instrument, learning, you know, whatever parts you got to play and, and learning your craft, you also got to have, got to have your people skills together. That's true. That's, That's what true. it's going to take. It'll yeah. take somebody to hook you up, somebody to say, hey, I, this, this brother's dope, this sister's dope. Mm. You know, it's not always you. You can't make everything happen. You need help. Right. So That's true. That would be it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true, man. I mean, a lot of people, you know, from our era, you know, it's different now. Like you said, you plug up a laptop and a, and a, and a MIDI keyboard and it's a done deal. You know, all of a sudden you global just, just like that. And I think you have more control of if you sell anything or if you have any type of um, capabilities when it comes to understanding music. Cause again, you know, that music business is a, is a beast, man. It's a beast, you know, and what about like publishing? Because um, publishing we talked about that a little while ago. Explain publishing to the audience, to people that don't really understand what publishing, because there's publishing and then there's writing, and they really don't understand what publishing really is. Well, I, I want to go back to something you you, you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. but we didn't, we didn't really touch on it too much. Okay. You were saying, like, back in the day, you had to deal with copyrights and, and right. you know, things of that nature. Right. I'm old school, man. Mm-hmm. Soon as I finish a song, <laughs> I send it off for a copyright. Yeah, yeah. Same I here. just sent off some stuff to be copywritten a week ago. Okay. You know, and and I remember reading uh, uh, this book called what was it called? The Business of Music. The, the, the no, it was the Kashif book. book like that. But nah, it wasn't the Kashif book. Okay. It was something the future of the music business where they were saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the future, we're not going to be dealing with copyrights because you're going to be giving the music away. And I thought that was crazy. I said, this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about. Right. No one's ever going to give their music away. Everyone's always going to have a copyright. Right, right. That's boy, right. was I wrong. Yeah. You know, I mean, I copyright my stuff just because I feel like it's mine. I, if, I, if I wrote it, 
Right. I want to own it. I want to make sure that legally I'm right. protected. Right. And I do understand that, you know, people right now are writing stuff and uploading it. They're not even copying it. I don't even understand how that works, man. I just don't get it. I don't get it. You know, they'll put it up, seven, eight songs, right on iTunes. No mm-hmm. copyright, no publishing, no nothing. You know, like the yeah. publishing between, uh, like, I think the two, the big two are, I think it's BMI and ASCAP. Mm-hmm. As publishing and yeah. what would you? I mean, is there? Do you have a preference between the two? Is there a difference between the two of BMI versus uh, ASCAP? Uh, I mean, I've been with with BMI since I was what nineteen. Oh, okay. So I I couldn't even really tell you uh, if there's a huge difference because mm-hmm. uh, they, they pretty much do the same things. But I, I kind of remember um, back in the day when when. BMI and ASCAP, they used to throw parties for their, you know, their writers and stuff. Right. And ASCAP always had the fly parties. They always had <laughs> stuff going on. Right, right. The BMI didn't have, have, have as many things going on. But in terms of uh, getting paid and stuff, um, I, 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 was, I was always happy with BMI. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you definitely, you know, these young writers and producers, you got to mm-hmm. have that kind of stuff set up. So right. when you do get your stuff online, you want to you want to get compensated for it, especially right. if it's out there making money. Somebody's making the money. Right. You know, so it might as well be you if you created it. So have your stuff registered, you know, have yourself registered as a writer, as a publisher, you know, BMI, ASCAP. I don't, mm-hmm. even, I don't know if C-Stack is still around, but. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they were, they were around for a while. I'm not sure if they still exist. And I don't know how long BMI, well, BMI or ASCAP is going to exist with this new streaming thing. Now they got going on. That's a whole, that's a whole different business. Like, I don't even understand how the record companies are so well, the record companies that exist, they're only like three major labels. And of course they sucked everything up and then kind of made it into one, two, three. The streaming, I just don't understand how can an artist really have control of their music if it's being streamed? Like, how, how does that even work? I know BMI and ASCAP, they have people listening and they would record and they know when your song was played, if you played on the road, if you played, you know, in the garden, wherever it was. But nowadays, it's just stream, stream, stream. How do, how do they keep up with that? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that uh, it's nowhere near accurate. Right. You, uh, right now, you can't even like worry about it too much mm-hmm. because um, you drive yourself crazy because there's no way to know. Right. You know, globally, every time your song is played in the stream, are you going to get paid for it? Right. Right. And you know, I mean, you got to make your song has to be streamed so many times for you to make anything decent. That right. You know, again, most artists, you know, including myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking, I don't expect to make a whole lot of money on streams. If I do, that would be great. You right. know? But the streams are just what's, what's getting you out to the people and people will figure out who you are and what you're doing. And right. Hopefully when you start doing shows or you start selling merchandise and stuff like that, that's where you're going to make your money. Right, right. But I'm, streaming, I'm yeah. <laughs> streaming the dream. <laughs> We say he streaming or dreaming. There you go. Streaming and dreaming. <laughs> like which one do you want to do? <laughs> That's just go. it's crazy, man. It's just crazy. Now, um, 
you know, there are people out there that, you know, they get in their own way. What do you tell people that are in their own way? Like they get in the way of themselves. And I know you mentioned earlier, they really need to fall back. And then when you tell them to fall back, they still get in their own way, you know? Well, um, I don't really have time to be, uh, to be honest with you. I don't mm-hmm. have time to go. If, 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 if you want to get in your own way and mm-hmm. you want to make things complicated for yourself and you right. don't want to listen to whether it's myself or someone else that has a little more experience of right. trying to show you a better way to do something, then right. you need to go on with that right. and, and figure it out for yourself. Cause that's basically what you're saying. You right. need to do it your own way. Right. And, and that's, that's just what it is. Right. But there's, you know, you, it's just like, you know, an, an athlete, they train so that mm-hmm. things are a bit easier. You look at LeBron, you know, he's, he's effective, but the game comes to him. He learned how to make things flow. He's not killing himself. Right. And, and I think in any career, you know, when you get your technique down and you, you want, you want to be more relaxed. You don't want to be on the, on the edge to the point to where you're, you're like doing double work. You right. know, longevity is just the key. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. You, you definitely, yeah, you take take things, do things the smart way, so you don't have to do it two and three times. You do it once. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I got to take you back to Erasmus Hall because you know we we attended Erasmus Hall High School in Brooklyn, and back then, yes, yes. it was uh it was a mecca for music, is what I call it. You know, because everybody came out of Erasmus. Everybody. Any, anybody and everybody that knows Erasmus Hall, especially in New York City, knows that the best of the best were there. Um, what was yeah. your experience? Because you were in jazz band. You know, you were... Um, I just had Greg Mitchell on the other day, and he said he played. He was like, nah, I can't play with you, man. I, I, had, to, I had to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, man, yo, Greg is amazing. Yes, man. he is, man. Golly. Yes, he is. He's a beast. His, his stuff is... is yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yes, he is, man. Yeah, Greg is an incredible musician, man. Shout out to Greg. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What was your experience like at? Uh, I think you had was it Stony Yellow? Yeah, Stony Yellow was was my teacher. I think mm-hmm. for I think two two years, and then Mr. Freed came in. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. You see, but yeah, the thing it was, is, it was fun, man. Yeah, it's like you know. Um, Again, younger artists, they, they don't know, like, the musicianship. Like, as you say, learning the craft of your tool, learning what you play, whatever it is, if it's a trumpet, if it's a sax, if it's keys, whatever it is, you know, mastering your craft. And, and when you go so far back, now you really, you have mastered the craft, and you can do it in your sleep now. And this is what a lot of people don't get. You, you just don't wake up one day, and I'm going to play bass. And I saw something on it, which was crazy, on YouTube and this guy was, uh, he was taking, he was trying to play Tyrone, which blew my mind. And he said, I'm trying to play Hubert Eves. And he was trying to play Tyrone. You know, but you have to understand, and people don't understand how we, as uh, back then in Erasmus, how we just, we took, we took our time and we crafted what we did. And that's what got us to the point that where we are right now. Well, there's, there's definitely a lot of, Time and, and mm-hmm. hard work that goes into it. Right. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna say just for myself. Right. And, and you, 
probably going to say, yeah, you know, you're pulling my leg. But <laughs> I, I have I have not mastered my instrument yet. You know, I'm I'm right. still trying to, to to get it together. There's there's so much more. Right. You know, music I want to learn and and be more versatile and different mm-hmm. styles. There's just so so much stuff musically that right. I don't know if you ever truly master your instrument. Mm-hmm. That's true. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It may be like, you know, um, mastering was a tough word, you know, but understanding the fundamentals of your, your um, tool Mm -hmm. or your device that you want to play with, like I said, guitar, bass, whatever it is, you've gotten to the point where you're putting out songs constantly. You're constantly working on crafting because you, you know, when you're a writer, it doesn't stop. You know, it doesn't stop. You can stop and say to yourself, you know, I don't want to write any more music. And then you wake up the next day and what do you do? You start working on new music because it's in you. And, you know, that's been in you for a long time. As long as I've known you, it's been in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, when you write and Mm -hmm. you produce, sometimes I've told this story before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's it's like a curse, especially (laughs) on gigs. Yeah. Where, you know, sometimes I might be on a, let's say a club date gig, not even a, a tour, you know, where you're playing the same stuff every night. Right. A club date gig where you, anything could be called. Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a writer, as a producer, right. more so as a producer, I'm used to having the headphones on and mm-hmm. it's, it's my responsibility to make sure that everything, every part is right. You know, in terms of balance, in terms of notes, in right. ter- terms of the feel. Right. So I'm listening to everything. Okay. But on the gig, that's not my responsibility. If I'm playing drums, my, my responsibility is keep the time right. and make sure, you know, everything is locked. If I'm playing bass, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like the same as, as, you know, the approach to playing drums. Make okay. sure I'm not playing too many notes. And right. I'm holding the foundation. Right. But at my producer here, I'm like, oh, shit keyboard player what the hell is he playing <laughs> or singers flat right uh we're doing it and then sometimes i'm like hubert chill out it's, it's, you don't have to worry about none of that stuff right right but, but that's 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 what it is man or music is always somewhere like it's just always in my head man mm-hmm. Even when i wake up sometimes i might hear an idea i'll go to my my phone or my watch and you know voice memo right i'll sing it in there and Sometime during the day, I'll figure it out, and it's a song, mm-hmm. you know, or a groove or something. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. Now, what was it like, um, like when you go on tour, as you said, you know, playing, I say, at the Garden or Radio City or one of the major venues that you've played at? What is that experience like, and how do you explain that to somebody that's never experienced that? Uh, the Garden was. Mm-hmm. That was incredible, just because of, of the history and so many huge events are held there, you know. Right. Uh, playing in front of that many people. That that was really, you know, a big accomplishment and something to be proud of. Okay. And uh, I would just say that I would, I would think that I would have been nervous, but right. because there's so many people. Right, right. You don't you don't concentrate on one person, right? After a certain point, you're just like you know what? It's just a bunch of people, right? Let me just play these notes, make this money, and get out of here. 
<laughs> don't trip. It's just another gig. Right, right, another right. Another gig. Yeah, because you overthink like it. Hard then. work and preparation yeah. got you there, and it's going to get you through the gig. Yeah, yeah. Because some people tend to like overthink, even when they record, man. It's like, oh, I'm playing in Radio City. I'm going to overthink this for, for nine weeks. No, no, no. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. Yeah, man. You can you can you can get on like I I've done uh TV appearances. Okay. And uh, you know, guys have made major mistakes. Really? That they never made before. They we would play that stuff a million times, but you mm-hmm. get on, on T V in front of them cameras and as soon as they say, Okay, you're on Right. You know, you, you just have to approach it as it's just another gig. Right, right. Or else, you know, you can get caught. Right, right. That's good. That's good. But that's typical Hubert Ease, man, because you never, you never worry, man. I mean, you you always handled your thing and you did it well, you know. So that's that's a good look. But um, I I, I got some doozies on on uh, <laughs> on uh, <laughs> you know, I, I ain't gonna say what they are, but I've made some mistakes on on TV and stuff too. Right. But, you know, I'm human, but yeah, absolutely. Part. Yeah. Yeah. But who yeah. have you played for? Like who have you, I mean, I know who you played for, but tell everybody who have you actually played bass drums? What art, which artists have you worked with? Well, you know, I'm, I'm old school, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I've played bass with Freddie Jackson I've played, uh, you remember the rapper Snow? Yep. The song Informer? Yep, I remember. I played, uh, played drums for him. Okay. Drums for Lisa Lisa. Right. Uh, Randy Crawford, Street Life. I played bass for her. Nice. Uh, I remember Street Life, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a good song. Oh, yeah. Great artists, yeah. Of course, Erica Badu. Uh, um, man, I can't even think. I'm can't forget D Train. D Train, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. And did you play with Will as well? Because Will Downings, we all went to school together as well. Of course, I played. I played and toured with Will Downing. Okay, um, I'm playing on some of his uh, recent projects. Okay. You know, me and Will, we're, we're still really, really uh, good friends. Right. And um, he's another influence, man, because Will Downing from Erasmus Hall, right. you know, shout right. out to E. Hall again. There you go. That dude has been working his butt off right. from then to now. Right. I don't know anybody mm-hmm. in terms of the, the artists that I've played for right. um, or that I know that puts out as much music as him. He's wow. always working. Right. Always. So he, he's a definite uh, uh, role model. Okay. And, uh, and a, a, a positive influence for me. Right, that's good. You know, and I, I still speak to him mm-hmm. here and there. We're, we're, you know, we're really cool. Yeah, I got to get Will on the show, man. That's a whole nother, you know, because I haven't seen Will in a while. Mm-hmm. But he's a, he's a talented brother. I mean, I remember in Coral Club, he was uh, incredible. You know, and like you said, from back then till he just keeps going. You know, like the he's yeah, like the energizer, stop, buddy. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's he got good. a new album out now, the Soundgarden. That's, that's incredible, man. Okay, what's it called? So, Sound Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Okay, all right. 
I'm sure it's on mm-hmm. iTunes. Oh yeah. It's okay. on all the speaker sites. All right, cool. Cool. Now I gotta ask you, man, you know, tell me about this new single that I downloaded that I love, you know, and I listen to it over and over and then I played it in the car and it's over and over and over because the beginning of the song is bananas, man. The new single, Radio. How did you come up with radio? Well, thank you, man. And, and yeah, my pleasure, man. You download it. Absolutely. Yeah, um, radio. That that you know during this whole COVID thing, you know, right? Uh, I had just been just working on stuff, man. Working on music and different kind of uh, ideas, and right. I came up with that, and. You know, my, my approach to that song was I wanted to make it really busy, meaning when I say busy, I don't mean complicated. Right. I mean, just like to, to me, I, I like when a song from beginning to end, when mm. it gradually grows. Okay. It doesn't stay the same. And, and hopefully I achieve that with radio. Okay. So that that was my approach to just have a lot of little different things coming in and out, mm-hmm. and uh, it was always my dream to uh, to have a song that I wrote and produced mm-hmm. under my name, okay. and, and have it on the radio. Right. You know, for right. My parents to hear, my kids to hear. Right. You know, for us all to be happy and, and proud. Yeah. Because you know, it's not just me. You know, my 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 parents made sure I learned them instruments and. Right. Made me practice, and you know my sister. She uh she did all the artwork. And okay, Dana, she right? Does all the all the social media stuff. Yeah. Dana Eves. Yeah, yeah, Dana Eves. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. And the cover's cool too. I I like that art cover, man. Yeah, my my sister she hooked that up. Nice, nice. Because I first saw the art cover, I'm like, wait a minute, is this you? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> me too. I had to I had to take a double look. I said, wait a minute, is this really mm-hmm. huge? Is this really huge? But nah, she did a great yeah, job, man. man. She did a, I mean, it's just a great job. It's going to go out on the recast when I send a recast out on, on um, for this episode, man. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, great looking uh, cover. Um, who played on that? I, uh, that let singer? me tell you something about that picture, though. Okay. That picture mm-hmm. was taken. I took that picture sitting in a. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting Get out in of a here, convertible. man. In the summer, I swear to God. You were sitting where? Uh, waiting on my wife uh-huh. at Starbucks. Okay. And she was taking so long, I, I just started popping pictures. We had a, a rental car. We were just chilling. Right. And uh, I always, I liked that picture. Mm-hmm. And when when it came time to do cover, I, I sent the picture to my sister. I said, Dana, I mm-hmm. like this picture. I like the pose. Man. Can you lift it? And do something with it. Okay. So if you if you were to see the original picture, you would bug out because you would actually see all of the work that she did wow. to take take it out of that background and create what she created. Wow. It, it was amazing. I couldn't believe that she was able to do that. Wow. It looks good. She did a she did a hell of a job, man. She did a Thank hell of a know. job. Yeah, but who who played on on radio? Okay. Um I got my dad playing acoustic piano. Okay. Uh, I'm playing all the other keyboards. 
He played acoustic piano. Okay. I have Randy Bolin playing guitar. Okay. And I have the Chops horn section, which consists of uh, David Watson, Daryl mm-hmm. Dixon, and Joe Romano. Okay. Playing horns. Okay. And uh, the horns yeah, crazy too, man. The whole project, I mean, Man. in my opinion, it's just it was well put together. And I'm not saying this because you're my friend. I'm saying this. I'm just being honest. It was it's a great from the artwork to the keys. First of all, like I said, when the song starts off, it's it's just crazy because you don't hear that, and it's a live bass, you know. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. I'm I'm really proud of it, you know, and mm-hmm. I did everything. In the house, even the horns, man, and, and when when I say to you, mm-hmm. you the, they came in and blazed that. So <laughs> they, just, they took it to another level. Okay, and I hadn't I hadn't heard the horn part before we recorded it. Okay, you no, know, I just I sent uh, my man Daryl Dixon. He's the one who, who did the horn arrangement. Right, I sent it to him, and they came over my house. Right, and we recorded it. So okay. I'm hearing it for the first time. As I'm engineering it, nice. And I wasn't really paying too much attention mm-hmm. to what they were playing because I had to make sure that the levels were right, right, and everything was was recorded right. right. But when they left, and then I played it back, I was like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit!" <laughs> is, is, I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't, can't you couldn't even believe I it, right? Kept playing it. Yeah, I kept playing it over and over and over. I was like, I. I I would never come up with a horn arrangement like that. So mind blown. Shout out to them, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mind blown. And your dad, obviously, you know, Hubert is the third on keys as well. Um, great song. Yeah, my, my dad killed it too. Oh yeah, yeah. as always, man. I mean, he, that's his thing. You know, he, he he comes in, takes it down, and then, all right, I talk to you later. That's right. You know, that's yeah. right. He killed it. Yeah, but I got to ask you the final question, man. I got to ask you. Mm-hmm. You got to tell me. What's next for Hubert Eves? The, the drum roll. Let me get the drum roll going, right? What's next for Hubert Eves? Are you working on an album? Are you working on a full LP? Are you working on, like, what are you doing? What's the next big thing for you? I'm working, I'm, I'm currently working on an LP. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting right now to get my uh, song back that I sent out to Chops again, the horn section. Okay. I'm putting horns on. Nice. My next song is going to be a ballad, though. Okay. It's, it's a switch up. Okay. But, uh, it grooves really nice. Right. I'm hoping people take to it. But uh, right. my EP is, is called Incubated Funk. Okay. And um, I'm currently working on it. And if you listen to radio, you hear at the end, it says EP coming soon, Incubated Funk. Nobody catches that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get it either, cool, man. But it's there. Okay. Well, when you listen to it, you, you'll hear it. Okay, but that's what I'm working on right now, man. That's where all my attention and, right. and uh, you know my creativity is pretty much going right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trying to finish that project. That's good, man. Well, I, I know everybody's gonna be waiting for it, and and as I said, man, it's it's. I love you, man. You're my brother, and we've been friends for a hundred years, and I can't wait to hear the entire um, project. Now, tell everybody where can they get radio. Uh, radio can be uh, uh, purchased on all streaming sites. Mm-hmm. You know, Apple Music, 
iTunes, yeah. uh, Spotify, you know, Amazon. Sure, sure. And, and you know, if, if you don't want to pay the 99 cents, you can get it on YouTube free. Okay. But I'll remember that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what you say? You're going to have a tracking device. Yeah, who who doesn't say, pay? Yo, man, I, I heard you join on YouTube. I'm you're like, give me 99 cents. <laughs> That's right. Listen, man, 99 cents or I'm going to cut it off of YouTube. <laughs> 99 cents or else I'm out of here, man. That's right. That's right. Nah. Yeah, man. It's but It's all good either way. Yeah. 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 But nah, it's, it's great, man. I'm really looking forward to, um, like I said, the whole LP, man. Um, what's it called? Incubated Funk, right? Incubated Funk. And yeah. I'm going to listen to the, after we get off, I'm going to listen to the end of the song so I can catch it. Because I was so busy listening to the song rocking in the car. You know, when you're driving, it's like, oh. Then you start trying to turn it to the left and turn it to the right, <laughs> and then you miss your exit. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, Re-calculating. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The GPS, all oh, turn around, you know. But no, it's all good, though, man. But listen, yeah. man, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for your time. You know, um, I wish you much success, and, and I know you're going to do extremely well, as you always do, uh, as long as I've known you. And um, go out there, pick up radio. And look out for Incubator Funk Because I know If the single radio Is as hot As the album Is gonna be I know the album's gonna be tight So I'm not even gonna You know We're gonna push that man And when you put that out Just come back on man And we'll um, We'll talk about it Because I'd love to hear The process of how you Put together Incubator Funk Definitely man I I, I appreciate the time And Always Always Always, man. Always, always. Don't go nowhere. Hold on. Shout out to E Hall, whoever's whoever's listening. E Hall, much love. Yeah, jazz band, jazz band, and Coral Club. (laughs) Jazz band, Coral Club. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's that's where it all started for me, man. I mean, we we go way back, like baby blankets, as they say, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh man, yeah, man. But it was a pleasure, man. All right, hold on, hold on. Hubert Eves the fourth. Check him out.